life can be only what you make it when you're feeling down i remember that mary j fly song in uh, 1995 i was listening to that i believe 1995 and i was in a certain point of my life where I didn't really understand what she was saying in that song, life can be only what you make it. I didn't understand it until I was much older and I began this journey. And uh, in the last episode, I was beginning to tell you my story. And so the story began um, with my spiritual life, you know, just saying out loud, I want to live my life to the fullest, whatever that means to my soul. And I remember watching The Secret, you know, when I had said that. And um, I learned new vocabulary, like false programming and life structures and awareness and consciousness and talking about this invisible world that we live in and we affect. You know, over that journey, over time, you know, I learned uh, a deeper meaning of that Mary J. J. Blige song. It really is true. Life can be only what you make it and how great of a desire that you have to live your life. And that's how our life structures uh, get reflected, how we desire to live life and how we perceive life. So to start my story, I just wanted to break down some definition terms that I learned throughout my journey before I just speak of them without um, defining them in in the best way that I can. So what are life structures, relationships, the the ego, you know, our safety in life, our ego, our self-defense mechanisms, psychology, our belief systems, you know, how we grew up in our environments, our community, who, how we identify ourselves, uh, spiritual life, our financial, our livelihood, our health, you know, everything that, uh, that all of us have, um, uh, to have to contend with or uh, celebrate uh, along this journey of life or these areas in our lives. Uh, false programming is like false illusions based on childhood constructs, you know, trauma or broken relationships or, or successes. It could be victories and competition. Um, it's just how we're, how we automatically uh, tune in to the world and our culture and um, how we see ourselves as participants in it. What are the degrees of yes that I'm talking about of desiring life? Uh, So the first degree of saying yes to life is a no to life. So I start my story with talking about my no to life. Um, When then we talk about survival, saying yes to life, but you're in survival mode. Then we're talking about relationships, saying yes to opening our heart and being vulnerable, trusting, saying next next yes to our family and allowing them to support and and intervene in our life because they see something we can't Uh, our aspirations so once we get to aspirations if we look at um, maslow's hierarchy uh, hierarchy of needs and self-realization charts we talk about being pretty high up there when we're thinking about um, aspirations for our children and aspirations 
for generations to come. And that may make us broaden our awareness to ancestors who may have had their aspirations for us of what they worked hard for to see their grandchildren and children's children's and children's 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 uh, become. And then we have saying yes to life so much that we have therapy or a life coach or, you know, someone to help us really stay organized so we can go out and live our life. You know, it's pretty high self-esteem and, and, and motivation to go through life when you seek out a therapist to say, guide me. I'm trying to figure this thing out. I want to get rid of uh, trauma and pain that I don't need anymore. I want to fulfill things I've never done before. Um, I'm having a midlife crisis or something. I want to be wiser. You turn 40, you get older, you become wiser. You know, you honor your fragile uh, physical, mental, and emotional states. Uh, especially if there's a lot that you already been through through your life. By the time you get to your 40s, you're looking to just have bliss and happiness and live your life's dream before you feel like um, you, you may have a regret or something. Then even when you're in your late uh, later years, you know, you can still break free and transform your life if you believe you can. And it depends on what it is that you desire. And if that's the soul's purpose, uh, is there a lesson or a blessing waiting for you? And so the highest degree of yes would be a spiritual life of not having a life based on materialism, but a life on uh, some spiritual life to do something, to serve humanity, to make life better, to be for life in general regardless of your religion or beliefs. You're just for life in a deeper way than material world. Um, you're seeking something for your soul's purpose and everyone else's soul's purpose purpose and community benefit and an open heart that's so wide. So I just wanted to begin my story with defining a couple of those terms because I'll be talking about them. Um, I talk about perceptions a lot. Perceptions are based on the illusions and the false programming um, that we're given, that our world that's shaped out of that, that we live in and perceive is how we, can, how we see. And there's biases involved that we have to get rid of um, because of who we are and where we come from, what part of the world we come from, what language we speak. So these illusions are constructs the mind puts together as thought forms of reality based on past experiences. If past experiences are negative, such as broken relationships, grief, trauma, or survival, then we gotta do something about it. We can't just leave them there and let them lie. We gotta let it go so we can live. Childhood lessons and things like that that are positive, we keep. But the negative ones we don't have to keep.
So I think it's very important to reflect and journal and really separate different areas of our life that are impacted, relationships, how we feel safe, our beliefs, what we believe in, our cultural beliefs, being able to step outside our own beliefs and see the beliefs of others, morals, values, religion, culture, norms, routines, community, how we show up in our community, spiritual, our spiritual principles about what we believe and then what we actually do, our financial life, how we manage that, our livelihood, our health, our body temple. So I would definitely journal in order to separate those different areas to really understand ourselves more. So if we're in a, if we're worried about not having enough to go around or not being able to make it to the next payday or something like that, then there's a fear underlying that. And why is that fear there? In our financial life area, we'd have to look back and say, well, how did I grow up? What does money mean to me? Did money come easily? Is it something that is given freely and received freely? Or was money something that was more important than, say, spending time together or something like that? Fear of survival could hide in there thinking the world's un unfriendly. So our egos get in there, you know? Or if it's a dog eats dog world. And right now what we see is, you know, a dog eat dog world and disease and fear of death and a lot of doubt of uh, in the future. Because we've seen persistent circumstances that are in our present awareness every day. When we look with the physical eyes, then that can become the status quo of feeling, you know, we feel hopeless and it becomes our reality based on those, these circumstances and experiences and what we see on the news. And that can lead to anxiety, depression. So we have to come together to tell our stories so that we believe that we can change these things and we can break free from illusions and have this, this hope. So my story begins growing up. I remember feeling like a victim after my father had died. You know, I was, why did you leave me? You know, very angry at my father. And I began to associate that love is something that comes with pain. You know, even if you're a child, it, it comes with the fear of losing somebody or the fear of um, being alone. So I associated love with neglect, loss, fear, pain at a very young age. 
so this is what teachers like Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lip- Lipton, Lipton uh, would call the subconscious program or core beliefs which run our anxious actions, traumatic cycles, subconscious bad habits, and risky decisions in our lives. If we haven't come to realization that change is needed, So my trauma and heartbreak after my father's death is the beginning of my relationship life structure being filled with blaming somebody for something, you know, and pain and loss. So my view of love began to divine and shape all my relationships with this fear of losing someone. You know, the loved one you have might die. So sometimes it's easier to not love someone if you think that that's um, what love is all about. So that limited my own view and my own desire at a young age to, to exist, you know, period. Uh, my definition of how I loved myself and others was subconsciously based on loss, hurt, trauma, neglect, and sadness just from this one traumatic event. And um, there are many people who have way more traumatic events uh, as a child than that. So later on, you know, I transformed and learned. But it wasn't until I heard other people's stories um, about being afraid of losing someone or something that I felt vulnerable enough to share mine. So I'm the youngest of four. I have two brothers, one sister. My big sister, like many other older sisters, you know, taunted me for being dad's favorite or mom's favorite or being the youngest, you know. And um, so we all get some complex um, from our siblings, our wonderful brothers and sisters who can poke fun at us and get joy out of seeing us, seeing us cry, even though they love us and we love them. Um, so most parents, siblings, friends, family members, you know, they tell us uh, what they think is right or wrong and define love for us based on their own views, you know, of what's happened to them, why they grew up. So. My illusions and uh, perceptions of the world made me feel, you know, loved ones may like to see you fail. So that's natural. You know, we live in a competitive environment and brothers and sisters, uh, we compete sometimes. So sometimes when you don't, you know, you fail and get laughed at, you know, there's a fear there. So a lot of people have a fear of public speaking, you know, why is the fear of public speaking? Because you're afraid you know, like your brother or sister laughed at you when you were little, maybe people are just going to laugh at you right now. So that's a little illusion of not feeling worthy of success or, you know, uh, having a fear of failure, which I think is common in America. Also at a young age, um, around the same time, I was selectively mute. 